This episode is brought to you by Tempest Fugitives. Tempest Fugitives have recently set up a new European website. So for those of you who have been stranded in Europe without a decent place to go for all your HEMA needs, visit www.tempestswords.eu. And for those of you in Britain who are looking for a Christmas gift that isn't a pair of socks, unless of course they're HEMA socks, the tall ones that you can put shin guards underneath, visit www.tempestswords.uk. What's up everybody and welcome to this very delayed episode of Blades for Days. I was away in Cornwall and lost track of time. Where we're going to be talking about swords and sword fighting and throwing people on their bonts. I'm your host Jordan and I'm very excited about this episode because I'm going to be talking to one of my HEMA heroes, Jessica Finley. Oh, it's me. me. Hey. Hello. It's all my fault. I'm sorry. I'm so bad at this stuff. It's okay. I I feel like every time I touch technology, like all the settings are different. Everything has changed. I don't know why it's that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um. So I've read like a few of the Harry Dresden novels. I don't know if you like if you've ever read them. Um, and uh, he's a wizard, so everything he touches that's electronic just falls apart. And I'm like, that's like me, but I don't have magic, so. <laughs> You know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bummer. If only we had magic, man. Right. Um, I'm going to turn off uh, my fan so that I can hear you better. Yeah, cool. I love the background, by the way. That's cool. Oh, thank you. I was like, well, I, I didn't know if the video would go anywhere, but I might as well sit in front of my armor, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I do like it, actually. I was, uh, I was looking at the video that you did on YouTube um for uh nightly was it nightly ways i think something like that um, oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, like a, a few years ago i think it was like 2018 now um so i was admiring it there and i'd love to get my own harness but i think melissa um my wife would kill me not because of the well maybe because of the cost but uh, <laughs> also because we live in like a little cottage so whenever i get something um, like even recently I was like oh yeah so I got myself a black fence in Montante you cool with that right and she's like where is that gonna go you know? <laughs> so. yeah that's real yeah that's real um I'm lucky I'm in my turning or my training space right now so um kind of everything lives here so that helps that's awesome that's the dream yeah. <laughs> right yeah yeah um so I'm really excited about this because I've been a big fan for quite a while. Um, I can't remember, like the first time I read about you, I think was like a Guy Windsor article or something like that, maybe. Okay. Um, and at the time I was, uh, I was trying to find something to help some of my students um, and, you know, Melissa and uh, some of my like shorter and smaller students with grappling because I'm 6'4". So for me, it's like my advice is be bigger and, you know, just fall on it. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. So and then I found your book. Uh, well, I found the cover of your book, which is like uh, and it's you holding somebody above your shoulders, um, which is I was like, that. Ah, that's it. Um, and then I'm like, I've also seen YouTube videos of you literally throwing guys in armor as well. So I was like, yeah, that's sure. like that's definitely definitely the way to go. So. 
yeah i'm really excited about this um okay. yeah well um, i mean the better advice for small people is just be meaner <laughs> yeah. yeah and I, it's funny because like uh the last person i had on the podcast is like 610 so he's even taller oh, wow. than i am yeah and i was saying like a lot of the a lot of the people that have really messed me up you know whenever i've fought whether it's like hema whether it's hand to hand um any of that sort of stuff they're usually about head shorter than me um and and they just get underneath you and then you're like oh no you know yeah yeah so um yeah that's uh that i i think that's really good advice is just be meaner and like you you know you're going to end up in in their measure anyway you might as well might as well go all the way in you know that's just it yeah yeah, yeah. uh well i mean it's probably never great advice to fight at someone else's measure right yeah yeah absolutely. <laughs> So um, how did you get into all of this? Oh, well, <clears throat> largely by just being a gigantic nerd um, and loving all things fantasy and swords and, you know, dragons and, you know, all of it. And uh, so when I was oh, 18, 19 years old, I was dating this guy and he came home from work and said, hey, I got invited to go to this sword fighting thing. And I was like, well, I'm going, <laughs> you know? And he was like, well, you're not invited. And I was like, I will get an invite, <laughs> um, which I did. And I had no idea what I was showing up for. Um, and it turned out what it was, was uh, going around to Renaissance festivals and performing on stage. Um, but it was with swords. And so I was, you know, a thousand percent in. And, um, and so that's really how I started. And um, so from that, you know, I did that, oh my gosh, I did that like 10 years. But um, a couple of years into it, I was like, well, this is super cool. But like, I, how did they really fight? Like, is what we are doing how they really fought, right? Um, you know, in part, because I wanted to believe it was, but it wasn't obviously, um, but, uh, but, but that question really kind of got to me. And so uh, at that time, I happened to have access to the internet. It was like 1999 and uh, I was like, oh, you know, okay, well, let me see what I can find. And I ended up finding, you know, way back then it was NetSword and then there was Sword Forum and then blah, 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 blah. Uh, and uh, so, so yeah, so I started connecting with people on there. Uh, I found that there was a club doing, I mean, it wasn't called HEMA then, but a club doing HEMA that was only a five hour drive south of me. <laughs> so uh, yeah, they were uh, having Christian Tobler out for a seminar. And so me and my husband and a friend of mine all loaded up and and down we went. And, uh, and that was it, I was hooked, you know. Um, so that was right when Christian's first book had come out. Um, so I think I think we figured out it was February 2003. So um, I count that as my official start, though, you know, I picked up swords in like 97 or something. So yeah, <laughs> and there's like a lot of transferable skills, I think, like even, you know, I get people who come in from different backgrounds and they're like, oh, I want to learn how to do it for real. But if it's something that you're just used to, if you're used to picking up a sword and sort of, you know, just like using it, you know, in a, 
um, even in a sort of show fighting sense, because um, I get people who come in from reenactment and they're like, they're really good. And I used to do reenactment. I'd love to do a Ren Fair, um, like, you know, an American Ren Fair thing, because it seems so incongruous. Like there's some yeah. sort of like, you know, some of it's authentic, but then some of it's like you've got the, you know, um, uh, like the, the stores and things. Um, I've only ever seen it on TV. I've never like I've yeah. never been, uh, you know, to one or anything, but I'd love to go along to one because it seems like like it seems like good fun. Oh, yeah, dude, they're super fun. Um, you know, and yeah, like it is it is really incongruous. I, I would completely agree. Um, because like every every group that maybe is is performing makes their own rules right about about what they're doing and what their goals are and and so you can have everything from from a very flashy stage fighting um in the fighting world right yeah anything from that to like hardcore uh living history approach reenactors right and then everything in between um and and my group uh that i was in was more on the living history side um, that was always where we were aiming for, you know, our, our success was mixed, especially looking back now, I'm like, oh, you know, yeah. we were cute, <laughs> but, you know, it was, again, it was the 90s, like, it was, it was a very hard thing to get going up off the ground fresh, which we were doing, um, so we weren't coming from a place where we, any of us had a lot of experience, um, our fighting was maybe closer to what you guys do in in reenactment ish yeah. right um or or the way i often think of it is is kind of like um so-called professional wrestling in the united states right yeah. so so there is a fight that is happening and there are certain things that are triggering certain things um as far as like more dangerous moves right like we kind of we knew Oh, if somebody takes this guard, they're about to throw that thing, so that we can we can do the thing safely-ish. Um, but you know, we weren't wearing any armor, no masks, light leather gloves was it, um, and we freaking hit each other. Yeah. So <laughs> it was it it was great fun. I learned a lot of skills. I learned a lot about measure. I learned a lot about. Um, really probably the most transferable thing I learned was drawing someone's attention like up into one corner of of the fight and then attacking them on another corner of the fight which of course is just good martial arts but yeah. that was right that was really what we had to go for because something like a a, a single time parry thrust we couldn't do safely because we weren't wearing any safety gear, you know. Yeah. Um. So everything had to happen in in a time that you created by creating distance. Um. And and so I totally still I totally still use that one as far, you know. Um. But uh. But yeah. So so yeah. it was a lot of fun. No, I mean that's that's what I did. Uh, I'm still well, COVID. You know, it made a, it's like a huge question mark. Um, I haven't done any reenactment for like quite a bit and every time I go there's one show and it was the last show I did and I think maybe that's why um, every time I go to this one show I always end up with like a really bad injury because again we're not wearing any like padding or any any stuff like that and the last uh, the last time I ended up with 
like uh, cracked ribs from a spear, um, which was like not yeah that wasn't fun. And then the time before that, uh, I had my nose um, smashed in with a blunt arrow. Um, yeah. yeah. So I was just like, do you know what? I, I kind of like Hema, you know, <laughs> like, right. for that reason. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, um, I haven't been for a bit, but like again, the uh, I, I I've said uh, to a few people, I think one of the things it's given me um like most appreciation for probably is just respect of a steel sword being waved in your face because you know when you get yeah. people just charge in and you know it's like scissors fighting yeah. and they're doubling and all this sort of stuff and you're like you know would you would you maybe do that if if it was like if you weren't wearing a mask and stuff um and uh i mean sometimes you know sometimes they will if they're polish yeah whatever you know <laughs> i'll just charge in whatever you know but um yeah, yeah it's uh, so that's what it kind of gave me so when it's like you're reading uh, different manuscripts and it's like yeah put the point in their face and a lot of people are like well i wouldn't do anything i just knock it aside and it's like well i don't know that you would because if you like if that's there and it's a present threat having been on the business end of like a few arrows spears blunt swords you know like just again like a few scars here and there you're like it sucks you know um so yeah i think that's one of the things that i i took away from it um the most and it is really good for the the living history side of it it like it depends you know what i mean like sometimes if you if you're there with your friends around a campfire and it's like a nice starry night whatever you're all drinking that's cool um and people get into character and that's yeah but then like sometimes if it's raining uh everybody's hung over somebody's like i'm rathgar and you're like fuck off steve i'm just like i don't have time for this today, you know? <laughs> so, oh my god uh, yes yeah. absolutely absolutely i mean i look back with fun with some fondness now on like some of those shows i can think of where like yeah it it was you know i don't know 50 degrees fahrenheit and raining and you're freaking there all day because at least uh our group was paid to be there you know so there's no you you don't get to leave you signed a contract you're getting a check you know and and there's two sad people sitting there in the audience so you have to go out and perform because there's two freaking people there yeah no i don't miss that <laughs> no it's it's one of those things where i think about i i started uh when i was 19 and you know like a luxury for me back then was if i had a dry pair of pajama bottoms you know i was yeah. like oh that's amazing now when i go i've got like a blow-up mattress i've got you know um loads of blankets this like i i need my creature comforts you know yeah. um, the idea of just lying on the ground uh and sleeping on the, on the cold floor i just don't i can't i don't think i could do it now but um uh the other thing is in britain reenactment like they will pay the group to do it but the reenactors themselves i don't know if it's the same for you guys but we don't see any of that like a lot of the right. time you're paying, you know, the like uh, petrol or um, whatever it is to go and take part, but you're right. not like, you're not getting anything out of it other than the enjoyment of being there and seeing your friends, which is, you know, which is great. It's, it's good fun, but I'm like, we, we could, we could have done this at my house, you know? Right. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, there was there was definitely no paychecks going home. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you 
like you're um, big in the into the sort of grappling side of stuff, and mm. like you've done judo, um, which I I think is great, and it's it's one of the things that I feel like um, a lot of humorists could benefit from, like supplementing what they do in fencing by just doing like some basic basic judo stuff. Like um, yeah. you know, there's a part in your book which I think is is really good, which is just learning how to fall. Um, yeah. And I remember um, sort of the first time I got into any sort of grappling stuff, they said, okay, the first thing you need to do is learn how to fall. And I'm like, I know how to fall, right? I've been doing it my whole life. Like, you know, right. but then, yeah, uh, but like falling safely um, mm -hmm. is, is, yeah, absolutely hugely important, you know? Um, yeah. So what drew you to the grappling side of things? Oh, well, when I was young, um, my brother was a wrestler, um, collegiate style wrestling, and I always loved it um, and always wanted to get to do it. And of course, at that time, uh, at least in America, uh, girls and women were not allowed to wrestle. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't done. So um, yeah, I know, right? Like back in the <laughs> yeah. day, back in the day. So, so um, I had lots of friends who were wrestlers. I always informally like got involved and got my ass kicked because I never got to actually practice practice, right? But, but I understood it as, as a sport and I respected it as a sport and loved it. Um, and then when I was in my, oh my goodness, I must've been 20 or so, 21. Um, I found out about a judo club um, in in my town, and and it had been there. Um, in fact, that particular judo club and my instructor opened it in 1962. Right, like I learned judo from an ancient guy who'd been doing it since you know uh, before Bruce Lee. Right, so like kind of it was pretty cool. Um, but I uh, I was like I don't even know what judo is, and and so I looked it up and I was like oh it's wrestling. I can do right. Yeah. Um, as as an adult woman, um, so you know, I was there, and and you know, my first my first lesson was three hours of practicing like falling in the proper position, um, which was kind of my instructor's like litmus test. Like, if you're willing to put up with this shit, then you know you have the right attitude, and I want you in the club, right? So. <laughs> And, and, but I loved it. I loved it. I loved the practice. Um, and, and so, you know, I was there four times a week, you know? Uh, yeah. And yeah. Um, and, and really the only reason I ended up giving up judo is, um, you know, I was doing HEMA by then it was HEMA. Um, I was, I was running a club for that. I was doing my sword stuff. And I had had my first kid and was pregnant with my second. And I was like, something has to give. Like yeah. there's, yeah. I can't do all, and working, right? Like I can't do all of this. So, um, so judo ended up being the thing that, that went away. Um, and, and that's okay. You know, um, I still love it and, and still think it's great. And, uh, and learned so, so much from it. Not just from like the physical practice, um, which is invaluable, but, but also, you know, like I said, my instructor, you know, started teaching in 1962 is when he opened his judo club, um, you know, and I was taking from him um, in the early 2000s. 
So he had so much wisdom he could impart about running a club, about how to, how, how to train, right? How to get good at the thing. You know, when is it time to, um, you know, go full out? And when is it time to, you know, go slow, et cetera, you know? Um, and and kind of how you made those decisions. So um, yeah, judo's great. That's awesome. <laughs> but that's, that's how I got into all the grappling stuff, you know? Yeah, um, I love that. And then, you know, related to, related to HEMA, um, you know, I, I kept training with Christian Tobler long distance, um, and he had sent me a really early translation he had done of, um, uh, well, what we call Von Danzig, but you know, it isn't Von Danzig, but that whole manuscript. And, and what was in there was odd. And I was like, oh, there's, there's wrestling in here. Like, hey, Christian, like, you know, do you have any interpretation work on this? And he goes, I'm not, you wrestle, I don't wrestle, like you do that. And I was like, oh shit, okay, you know? And so I was kind of thrown right into interpretation um, because I wanted to do it, you know? Yeah. So somebody had to do it, so it was me, you know? Yeah, no, that's great. And like, you know, it, it says um, at the start of the book that you've been sort of looking at Ott for seven years. And I think that's fantastic because I know a lot of people who um, there, there's, uh, and I mean, I'm kind of guilty of this myself because I study predominantly Fury. Um, and yeah. I really like Fury because there's the grappling side of things. And then there's also, you know, other stuff. I can't ride a horse. I can ride a bike, you know, um, but um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but like you get a lot of sort of um, people who pick and choose different stuff. Mm. Um, and I think that's cool. Like, the, like that we have, you know, now that, that kind of range of resources that people can draw upon. But then like spending seven years looking at something, that's ace because it, it means that you sort of like, you know it inside and out. And one of the things that I really like about watching the videos that you're in is that now and again, I'll see like uh, somebody doing, um, you know, a video on, on like HEMA and uh, how you can introduce grappling into it and stuff. And um, you'll see them do it. And it's like, that wouldn't make somebody fall down though. Like, with, like and I, you know, um, I don't mean it, you know, I'm not like trying to throw shade on anybody, but you know, when you watch a video and, and somebody sort of like, they put their foot quite tentatively uh, behind somebody else's, but their body is way, way away from them. So it might make them stumble a little bit, but then the other person's like, Whoa, I'm going down. And you're like, okay, cool. But with your videos, the stuff that you did with the, the stuff in armor, where you're really getting your hips in, you're really getting the, like the leg across theirs. And then just, um, one of the things that I noticed about one of, uh, uh, one throw that you did was that you were grabbing, uh, gra uh, grabbing the underside of the, the cuirass. And I'm yeah. like, ah, oh, that would give you so much purchase. And then you're just like yeah. flinging them down on the floor. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's, that's so good. It makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. I know the video you're talking about. It was so much fun. Um, I love recent Ben. They're local to me now. So that's super cool. Um, but uh yeah, you know, uh, well, I, here's my thought about grappling and HEMA in general is this. Are you entering a tournament where grappling is allowed? Yes. Why the fuck aren't you studying it? <laughs> That's it, you know? Um, so I know a lot of people that are like, ah, I don't want to wrestle. I just want to do longsword. But you're entering a tournament where wrestling is allowed, you know? 
Um, yeah. So even if only for your own safety, like you can say, I'm never gonna enter into grappling distance with a long sword. I only want to focus my fight on the sword part of it. Cool, like I get that. Frankly, with a longsword, I don't like to wrestle. I, I'm tiny. Why would I, why would I enter into grappling distance, right? <laughs> um, but, but for my own just base safety of being in that situation, I need to understand what's going to be done to me and how to protect myself, right? And yeah. we see, at least in the US, so many blown out knees. Knees get blown out all the time because somebody enters for a wrestling that they haven't practiced very much against somebody who doesn't understand what's about to happen to them, you know? Yeah. Um, and so yeah. people get hurt. So that's my thought. Yeah, I mean, I'm in two minds about it because there's a part of me that's like, okay, so do we take grappling out of uh, longsword or something like sure. that? But then- That's one answer. Yeah, I know, but I'm like, I, I'm, I'm, Sometimes I sort of lean that way, but then there's another part of me that's like, but I want to like, uh, and I know that there's like a, a sort of element of pomposity to this or whatever, but I'm like, I want to, I want to study the full martial art, you know, and a lot of, yeah. um, a lot of the, the sort of uh, the masters that you read about, Fiore um, included is like grappling is the key to everything else because, you know, the sword is there and that's cool, but your body is the thing that you're moving like the sword doesn't move by itself. It's just a sword, right? So that's, you know, right. learning how to move your, your body and grappling is a good way to do that. And also I, I do like to grapple. Like I, I like grappling. Sure. Um, I, I got really annoyed at one tournament um, because I sort of like, uh, and I've mentioned this, like I, I, I come across as quite bitter about it. I'm not, it's just one of those things <laughs> that plays on my mind, right? Maybe I'm a little bit bitter, but it's, you know, it's fine. It's a healthy bitterness. Um, I came in and I grappled uh, and, I, um, and I, I held my point to my opponent's face to indicate that I had the grapple. Um, and they, and uh, it was like, no, nope, that doesn't count because you didn't make contact. And I'm like, mm, uh, but, but I, I had it though. Okay, cool. So I did it again. And I did it like pretty much exactly the same um, movement. But this yeah. time I put the point in and they were like, oh, yellow card. Like, you know, kind of like a warning. And I'm like, I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. It's, it's a tough one. So like on the one hand, I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe take it out. Maybe you could do like an indicator to say that I've got, like, I've got it um, and cool. Uh, and maybe don't do throws because there are no crash mats, um, you know, and stuff like that. Like, cool, excellent. Mm. Um, but then on the other hand, I'm like, but then are we, you know, are we diminishing what we, you know, what we have? Because people will then train to, you know game the system a little bit um uh, and almost yeah. like in boxing when they start sort of clinching because they want to rest um yeah you know it, it's uh so it's a tough one yeah i mean i know where i fall for myself um where the where the community as a whole wants to end up i think i think it's up for grabs you know um i completely agree it's a complex question um i do know clubs that you know they don't finish any grapples and and they do you know whatever their whatever their safety word is but they have they have something or another they you know that you holler like no you got me let me go yeah. let me go right and 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 so i mean that can be done and it is done um but you know for myself for my study like i want 
all of it. I want the whole art. Um, you know, Fioria is a great example because you cannot look at, at what Fiori produced and misunderstand that it's one art, right? Um, on the German side of the house, people have a little bit easier time justifying to themselves that it isn't one art. Um, that's a complete lie, but you know, <laughs> um, but you, you can choose excuse me, you can choose just one thing um, to read and be like, well, that, that's, that's all there is. Um, but, but, you know, again, obviously not. Um, Der Schlaufen, if nothing else, right? Der Schlaufen in, in the, in the Flossfecten is, is, uh, I think it's 12 lovely little wrestling techniques. And seriously, if people, only learned to do those 12 with a sword and without a sword and then maybe with their dagger and then maybe in harness and then maybe on a horse then they would be totally <laughs> badass right like you don't have to go like read on necessarily if yeah. you don't want to yeah uh, you know <laughs> no i totally agree and i've, I've said it before because it's something that my uh, my krav maga instructor told me and i think it's a great like it's a really good kind of example is that um you know when you're driving there are only three pedals in the car um and that's like you know so learn three techniques because when you're panicking or when you're you know when you've got a little amount of time you know your your adrenaline spiked whatever um you're only going to be able to do the thing that you've repeated like three times uh three times you're only going to be able to do the thing that you've repeated like over and over again so if you repeat three techniques over and over again and you just get those mm -hmm. down pat and you you make those like your like signature moves kind of thing then that's usually as much as you need um, because if you were driving along and then like there was a collision in front of you and, and there were 16 pedals in front of you and you're like, shit, where's the brake kind of thing? That's like yeah. that's the problem. So um, I've had it before. And I remember um, it was like the first tournament I was in and it was uh, Longsword. And I was fighting against a friend of mine, Mariotto, who's really, really good uh, fencer. And um, we call him Mariotto and it means little Mario because, again, he's like a head shorter than I am. And I managed to uh, get in underneath him and it was like a sudden death thing for the gold match. And um, I managed to get in underneath him and his sword was above my forearm. And I had this like paralysis of indecision where I was like, oh, I could do, I could do like a, like an arm wrap. I could get the elbow lock. I could do this. And he just went, fuck this and just smashed me in the head. And I was like, oh, damn it. I overthought, like I was thinking too much. Yeah. Um, so if I had just gone for the usual, like, now I kind of know that I would just go, okay, but that and go for the thrust, you know? Um, right. So I, I'd, I'd sort of like get underneath his pommel and then and, and try and thrust the sword. But back then I was thinking of all of these different techniques that I knew that I could go, okay, I could do this one. And like, and, and yeah, so I think you're right. Like 12 techniques and that you could apply across the board to everything. Um, yeah, that would be fantastic. That would be, you know, that'd be really good. Right. And I mean, really with grappling, you could even, if you were looking at, again, the so-called Ringek manuscript, which isn't Ringek, um, but in there, there, there is a little treatise um, called Three Wrestlings, right? Dry Ringen. And uh, 
that is all there is, is those three. And when you look at it and you read it, you go, well, those are kind of shitty wrestling techniques. Like they're not, there's not a lot happening there, weird. And then you kind of keep going. But what that is, is a lesson on what wrestling is. And so if people would only, as you said, three, if people would only study those three, they would, I mean, that's it. That's all anybody needs falling in those three, right? Because it's throw forwards, throw back. If they stop either one of those switch sides, that's it. That's the whole system, right? And then you start to go, oh, wait a minute. When I enter to throw them back, it sets up a throw forward. Oh, if I go to throw forward and they, right? It's gonna set up this throw back. Oh, if they enter to throw me back, I can throw them forward, right? So every, these three ideas with these very simple, as I said, not very impressive, not very exciting techniques really are tactics. And that's what this thing is trying to teach. And, and, and again, I think this is um, the major benefit I have from trying to have a holistic approach to the art that is to wrestle, to dagger, to messer, to sword, to armor. I do horse now, right? To do horses. Um, I'm still very new and shitty at it, but I do horses, right? And, uh, and so, you know, the, the thing that I, have been able to take home is to go, okay, um, if we're looking at, you know, the, the way that techniques are presented in, in the German manuscripts, there are hundreds of techniques, but there's only 12 tactics. And each one of those is only one of those 12. It's a version of it. You know, um, so like your situation, you're talking about, oh, I make my left hand cover, I can do the serpentine wrap. Oh, well, should I do it as the disarm? Should I lock up his wrist? Should I lock up his elbow? Should I go in for the, for the whole shoulder throw? Should I, right? And what eventually, like, and I'm sure you're already there from what you're saying, is that you go, oh, from this cover, I make a wrap and stab him. Who cares what I wrap? I make a wrap and I stab him right? And in that wrap, my opponent chooses what happens to them, not me. So I don't need to obsess about what part of their arm or sword I get because it still leads me to my techniques, you know? And, yeah. and so, yeah, that's it. Yeah. No, 100%. And it's like, um, it's one of those things that I, I still think about for my own training when I'm like, okay, there's like a cool new technique that I want to, yeah. I want to sort of try and learn um i do have to keep in mind like how expedient is this and am i gonna like <laughs> am i gonna use it um and now and again even with my students i'm like guys this is a really cool technique and if you pull it off i'll buy you a pint of whatever you want you know yeah but keep in mind that like it, it's you it's not a go-to it's just like a it's a very situational but it's super flashy and cool um because people come in for the super flashy and cool like I, I remember um the first time i went to do uh kendo like i went to this one place and uh somebody said to me like cool like the instructor said um it'll be about a year before you pick up the sword um he was like i'll get you the the registration papers and then when he turned back i was gone because i'm like no i'm here for swords you know um yeah. And I, I kind of get that mentality now. So what you were saying about your judo instructor, um, mm -hmm. 
that's like that's either the sign of a great instructor or like and it depends on what the instructor is doing because if the instructor goes i just go fall down for three hours i'll be over here with a cigarette and my mobile phone like obviously yeah um, right not a great instructor and and i've no. heard about um people uh, like that um sort of mm -hmm. going okay you do that i'm gonna be outside sort of like checking my emails or whatever um and uh, it's to the point where I'm paranoid now and I make sure that whenever I pick up my phone to look at like a lesson plan or anything like that, um, I'll tell the students, I'm like, look, I'm looking at my lesson plan. I'm not texting. <laughs> you know? so, um, but yeah. then also it's the whole thing of like, um, you know, practice. Uh, don't don't fear the person who's practiced 10,000 different punches. Um, you know, fear the person who's practiced one punch 10,000 times kind of thing. Um, yeah. So, no, I mean. One of my favorite judo stories is a guy that was in my club, um, a good friend of mine, Kenny, he, all he wanted to do was a sotagare, like that was it, right? Which is Fiori's Gambarola, right? Fiori says, this is shitty because we're equal, like either either person can do the thing, right? But that's more or less what, it, what a sotagare is. And, and so, uh, but he loved it. It's all he trained, right side, left side, a sotagare. What counters is a sotagari? A sotagari, right? Like he and and he would joke like that. That's what made it the superior throw, right? Was that it countered itself? So of course, you know, it was the best, right? Um, but like to the point that when we would go to tournament, other clubs would be like, "He's gonna throw in a sotagari," and you <laughs> knew it, and he would still do it to you, right? Because. He was so practiced and good at it. He knew exactly where the time and space was to get it. And so you just, you, you would have a hard time stopping him. If you did stop him and get him on the ground, he was going to have a bad day. But like, <laughs> you know, you had to get through that thing he was good at to get to the thing he was bad at. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, yeah, the like, and there's an element to like, you know, if you over specialize, you breed in weakness because you know, then it's like, oh shit, like uh, the the one thing I'm really really good at fails, um, and you see it like even I do it now and again. I'll throw a cut and I'm like, this cut's gonna land, and then like somebody will parry it, and I'm like, and I I almost have like a a frozen moment where I'm like, wait, what happened? He blocked it, <laughs> you know, and right, <laughs> right. And that's not there. fair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's cheating. Like, yes, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, that's just that's just fucking rude, you know. So right, yeah. Um, but then I, it's horrible being on the business end of that when somebody, when you're like, I know what you're going to do. And nothing I can do is going to stop that thing from happening. And you do, and you, right. you're like, you, you're trying to do something and it just comes through anyway. And you're like, God damn it. You know, um, <laughs> there was this, um, so my Krav Maga instructor's wife, Carly, she, uh, like, she was so good at locks. And as soon as if, if she took hold of you it was like oh no you know it was like khabib you know like as soon as yeah. like any part of you is is so, like like fighting tar you know what i mean it's like oh no like this, this, that's my yeah. wrist and then gradually you'd get locked up and it would come to the body and it's like oh, i know what's happening but i can't do anything about it you know um, yeah so yeah that was super it was like really frustrating but you'd appreciate it at the same time you know yeah, oh, I did. Yeah. I'm not sure everybody did. <laughs> um, so like Krav Maga, um, 
speaking of Krav Maga, because it's like this, uh, you know, Israeli self-defense um, system, and it was uh, like, you know, you've got um, Ott, Master Ott, as like the mm. baptized Jew, and you've got sort of like Mendoza, the fighting Jew. There's a lot of sort of very, very good hand-to-hand fighting in the Jewish community. Uh, yeah. And it's one of those things where, like, if you love history, the more you read about it, like, the more appreciation you have for the Jewish community and how much shit they've been through. Because you think, you know, you think of, like, these different points in history, but it's, like, almost every history book I pick up, whatever whatever period, it's, like, and then, you know, the, the Jews had a hard time because, like, whoever was in charge was, like, it's their fault, right? And, and it's, like, yeah. you can absolutely understand why these guys were badass fighters because Mm -hmm. you know like pressure creates diamonds kind of thing it's like you know just throughout history it seems to be that you you get a lot of um a lot of the jewish community just producing these um these just prodigal hand-to-hand fighters um do you think that's what the case was with uh, in the medieval period Boy, I mean, honestly, that's a question that goes outside my expertise. Um, but, you know, it, but it is an interesting question, I'd agree. You know, um, I think it's, it's, it's a strange thing when you're looking at 15th century Germany, because um, not only do we have a situation where obviously uh, the, the people in power were doing terrible things to the Jewish community. I mean, that was actively happening. Um, while at the same time, apparently we're hiring the, you know, these people that we're putting down and, and bringing them into court to teach us, um, to teach us wrestling or, or swords. Um, additionally, you know, and we see this like in, in, in uh, Tullhofer's manuscript that that there was an interest and almost obsession with um, Jewish culture for magical purposes in this time and place, right? Um, so, so there are you know people that are are using um, Hebrew writing uh, to create magical circles, you know, because they're about to go fight, right? And so it's. It's a really strange and interesting question, and I'm sure that there are experts, um, you know, expert uh, medievalists uh, who could speak better to it. Um, but boy, I wish we did have a clearer understanding of of who these people were that are referenced in our fight books um, and how the, their lives were intersecting at court. Like I honestly struggled to imagine it. Um, you know, and and Ott's interesting because because he's named, um, he's named as being uh, in, in Paulus Cal's manuscript names him as being you know one of the one of the members of of Lichtenauer's um, Gesellschaft. So there's no doubt that he was um, accepted. You know, and and what did he have to do to earn that acceptance? You know, um, the fact that sometimes he's listed as being baptized. You know, what was that situation? Did he have to reject his community in order to get there? Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. it gets into so much really cool questions that I just, I could not find any answers for, um, yeah. despite trying real hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Cause it's, 
it, it's such a rabbit hole, especially because, mm-hmm. you know, um, I do the same. I'm like, you know, when I when I describe um, Fiore, I'm like, well, he was this Italian, um, you know, fencing master. And, and the same, it's like, oh, he was this German. And that, like, it, geographic identity, cool. But then people then ask me, like, uh, questions about like medieval Italy and I'm like oh shit you know because so, right. yeah. you know, I'm like well it wasn't really Italy it was Italy but it was like uh, it was you know there was the Holy Roman Empire and this whole thing so you know when when trying to get better context for Fiore's time I started looking at the Holy Roman Empire and then I'm like oh then you know and that's like because that was growing and shrinking and growing and shrinking and 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 so I've like for the past maybe um, year or so, I just stick to the martial arts side of things, you know, because I'm yeah. like, I can understand that. The, the arm likes to go this way, but not that way. You know, I'm like, I can understand <laughs> that bit, but like when it comes to the sort of like the, the political side of stuff, I find it really, really interesting. And one of the things, because um, uh, um, I was looking at like uh, dueling in the medieval period and like what the, um, what the, uh, sort of ritual was to it like challenging people and all this sort of stuff and one of the things that I really like about it because you mentioned magic was um, you know they go and say prayers to make sure that they're you know cleansed before they go and fight and uh, it, because obviously um, you don't want to sort of accidentally or purposefully die before uh, in that situation and then you go to like and then you take oaths to say yeah I'm, I'm, I'm innocent or he's guilty or whatever but then you have to, the third oath you have to take is to, to say that you're not going to use magic against your opponent. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. That's like, that's, I love that that was such a real thing to medieval mm-hmm. people and that they had to take that vow um, to say, like, I won't, yeah, I won't use spells or anything against my opponent. And um, one of the things that I found out recently, because I've, it's a weird thing, but I've kind of gotten into this like Chinese fantasy slash soap opera thing. I don't know okay, how it happened. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like a, it, it, it's, uh, it's called Word of Honor. It makes absolutely no sense for the first like 10 episodes, but I was hooked. Um, and it's kind of like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon sort of thing. Uh, and it right. got me looking into some like medieval Chinese history. And one of the things that I love is that a big influence on why China was like so advanced in uh, medicine is because they had a court alchemist who was looking for the elixir of life for this emperor. And I'm like, that's ace. I love shit like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think I think the thing that's fascinating to me and about looking at the medieval period and and looking at the various cultures is that it it really is this kind of juxtaposition between, um, you know, as as a, you know, white American, I tend to think of of European history as being mine, right? Yeah. And like, you know, I was raised Christian, you know, so that's mine. I understand it. It's just me. But then you look at it, and you go, no, it's foreign. It is so foreign, the way that they viewed the world, their day-to-day approach, what they expected. Only, only if you look at it vaguely, could you believe that, um, 
their experience was analogous to ours. It really, really was just so, so different. And that's what I love um, is, is that, oh yeah, I know all about Christianity. Whoa, wait a minute, they were doing what? You know, the, you know, their, their daily practice of it, et cetera, was just, um, anyways, so different. And then of course, um, I love, I love learning. I love researching and, and I love finding out something I thought was real, wasn't real at all. You know, those, those, um, I don't know, you know, medieval people were dirty and didn't take baths or there was a huge bathhouse culture, right? Where everybody like went to a Turkish, what we would call now a Turkish bath, but like that was standard and everybody was going there and doing that, you know? And it was a place that, you know, you it's like going, going to Sweden and going to the sauna, you know? Um, so uh, like running into those things of like, oh, I know, I know all about that. Oh my goodness. The moment I look at it, I don't know anything about it please tell me more, you know, that's, yeah. that's what really gets me, gets me super hooked on all of this. And, and I mean, that's also the, the fighting stuff, you know, every time I think I've, I've got a good grasp on, oh, I, I get it. I understand how this works. I know what it is. And then I'm like, oh, shit, do I? I don't know. I got to think about it for a minute. <laughs> yeah. I like, for me, I almost have this, uh, like the five stages of grief whenever I find out that I was massively wrong about something. At first I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm right. You know, it's like denial. And then it's like, you know, wait, am I? And it freaks me out a little bit. And then I'm like, and then I'm like, oh, cool. Actually, no, this is a rabbit hole and I love rabbit holes, you know? So I'm right there with you. It's like, um, so one of the huge gaps in my knowledge is harness factor because I've never, I've never done it. And even though you can train, um, you know, you've said in, in videos, you can train in a jacket and you and you can do the movements and stuff, but you don't really get an appreciation for how much restriction you have. And, mm. you know, you're you're way more mobile and all this sort of stuff. Um, and I, I imagine just the shift in your balance is is mm -hmm. different as well. Yeah. Um, so like that is something that I would absolutely love to to try you know? Yeah. I think, you know, I've thought about that shift in balance idea and it's true. It's not that it's false. Um, but I think I've kind of honed in on a better way to describe it. That's maybe more useful for us as fighters, which is everything has more inertia than you expect. Oh, that's cool. Because you go, well, for me, I go from being, I can't, I, I wish I could do metric easy, but I go, I go from being um, 130 pounds to be, I think my, my kit right now is 65 pounds, right? So I go for, from being 130 pounds to 195 pounds in 20 minutes, yeah. right? And so all of my prior perceptive system that anticipates if I reach out this hard, my arm goes that far is wrong because my arm weighs more. So I get it. So it takes more to get it going. It takes more to stop it. And, and so when you just put in the energy that you um, habitually or instinctively think you should, it's wrong. It's not the correct energy. And like, this was the most highlighted to me. I, I guess I came to under really actually get it. 
was not fighting because fighting you're already kind of heightened to have yourself under control to a certain extent right so you're you're already like even though that's happening like you're you're not conscious of it but you're conscious of it but so i i was training up um this was a few well quite a few years ago now but and so I would put on my harness and I would go out in the woods behind my house and and run the trails, right? And so, cause I was like, okay, I'm gonna have uneven ground surfaces. I'm gonna have roots. I'm gonna like be dodging and like, you know, whatever. So, so I'm like, this'll be fine. It won't be weird. My neighbors won't mind, right? <laughs> I'm gonna just do this. So, so I, the first time I get up, um, I wasn't completely kitted. I didn't have my gauntlets and helmet on, um, but I had everything else on, right? And so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go for a jog. <laughs> this will be fine. And so I start jogging and it's fine. But what I didn't realize was that I wasn't picking up my feet quite as high as, again, habitually, I thought I was. So I'm running along and I just kept tripping over every route that came along because my, my gait was just lower. Um, and so it got to a, a place of complete ridiculousness that I'm jogging along and I trip and I go down and I was on a hill. And so I go down the hill on my breastplate, like 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 I was on a like I was on a sled, right? Down the hill, like trying to keep my face from hitting anything. Like it was the ugliest fall ever. And so I'm laying there at the bottom of this hill, like, oh, that sucked. That sucked so bad. <laughs> so I get up, I'm like, all right, back at it, baby. Come on. And so I start running again. And same thing happens. I trip again. And this time I'm like, nah, fuck it. I know how to handle this. And so whoom, I throw myself into a hard forward roll and pop back up. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what you do. That's way better. <laughs> so anyways, lessons were learned by going on long jogs in the woods by myself in harness. Um, but yeah, so that really like, I was like, okay, what is happening? Why do I keep tripping? Like, I don't trip when I run, what is happening? And, and that's when I came to understand it's this, the momentum of it and, and your, your prior perceptive system that thinks it takes this much muscular force to move my leg this high is wrong until you get habituated to it and you just have to do it, you know, to get yourself there. Yeah. That's ace that you did that. I love that. And um, what you were saying about your neighbors, I mean, like if somebody was out walking their dog or whatever, and they just watch you like, but, 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 like slide, and then like, and then you do it again, but you go into like a forward roll and you're like, ba-ba, they must be feeling like, right. what the fuck is going on? <laughs> oh yeah, dude. That, yeah, that neighborhood like had me pegged as just, just, they're weird. Don't talk to, don't talk yeah. to her ever. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Because I train out the back now and again. And like, sometimes my neighbor next door, she's very, it's really weird actually, because out the back when I'm training, she will not talk to me. Like she won't, like, it's like blinkers are on. Like if she's looking out the window, I'll wave. And then the, you know, and then the shutters close kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But then when we go out the front and I say, Hey, how are you doing? She's like, Oh, hello. Hi. And I'm like, cool you know i'm the same guy right you know it's like that goes out the back so yeah that's that's really weird but i love that 
that sort of insight of, yeah, I'm going to go for a run and, and see how it's different. Because, you know, uh, growing up and watching things like A Knight's Tale, I had this idea of armor. You know, you had to be lowered into your horse kind of thing by, right. by the crane. And there's the, there's the bit where he just like walks on, everybody's laughing at his armor and he just gets into his horse and it shuts everybody up. Um, yeah. But yeah, like... Um, it, it you wouldn't want it to be a well like i'm guessing you wouldn't want it to be a, a big tank of a thing um so no uh, yeah like that i think that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions about armor that you that you see um but then like you have things like uh boo hurts and battle of nations which is like mm -hmm. i don't know like if i would 10 years younger i think i'd be like yeah i'm all over that i'm definitely going to get involved in that but now i'm like a little bit older and you know things take a little bit longer to heal <laughs> like right. yeah I'm like, <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you know so yeah, yeah what's your opinion on that yeah i it's just it's a different art form you know um like we like we mentioned earlier that that people people are always going to game their rules they're always going to fight to their situation and and so that's what we're seeing there, you know? Um, and, you know, it's cool. It's not my jam. You know, I likewise really appreciate my brain a lot and yeah. have very <laughs> little interest in repetitive concussion. Um, and there's no stopping it, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. I, as we know, even in HEMA, it's a huge problem. So, uh, it, you know, of course they're struggling with it. Um, and, and uh, so, yeah, you know, but it, it's interesting. It's it's fun to see what they're what they're coming up with. Um, certainly, you know, if you look, it's almost it almost kind of reminds me of MMA in a way that you know, if you look at old MMA or old Bohurt videos, and then you look at it now, you can see that progression as as people figure out what what works for their rules for their system. And as rules have changed to uh, to keep people doing it, you know, um, and and what that's done. So um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, is it what we see in the treatises? No, um, and that's fine. Yeah, because uh, what we see in the treatises is uh, again fighting to the rules, and so that's dealing with a a very specific dueling situation whether you're looking at fiori or or one of the lichtenauer systems um and and so it just simply isn't dealing with what bohurt's trying to deal with you know yeah yeah absolutely um i think like like i said i mean i i like watching bohurt um on youtube yeah. and like watching people get nailed um on instagram i follow like a bunch of boohur guys uh and like you said i don't think it's accurate to you know the treatises or or anything like that or even if the treatises would be helpful to the people that are like doing this kind of thing there, there are some throws that you see that are quite similar sure. um to uh some of the things that you were doing in the youtube video that i mentioned earlier um i'll put a link in that uh to, to that below as well actually um if i remember because i'm shit at remembering that stuff but <laughs> but um yeah but like and i'm like oh okay that's cool and you know there's there are certain things 
where they're hanging onto the fence and they're like technically not on the ground and i'm like that's that's like the kind of shit that i used to do with you know um my friends when i was a kid or like you know yeah. my brothers whatever where it's like you can't touch the floor where you're like technically not touching the floor kind of thing oh yeah I'm like yeah i'm like yeah fair enough um but what you know what you say about concussions i'm like holy shit yeah because um you know the somebody i was chatting to who does like buhurt and stuff he's like yeah well you know they would have done it in the medieval period and and like we've got like um thicker you know thicker helmets and their titanium and whatever yeah. and i'm like yeah but their lifespan was a little bit shorter um you know so right <laughs> like well yeah yeah i mean even if it wasn't shorter <laughs> um i think there, I don't know if this has been proved or disproved, uh, but but I've certainly heard some scholars have thrown out that perhaps the huge uh, the huge change we see in Henry VIII was in his personality was as a result of repeated brain injury, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, and that guy had access to the best of everything in in period, right? So I mean, I think I think there's there's a cautionary tale there as far as you know just because they did it in period doesn't mean we should right yeah. i mean if we were doing what they're doing in period i didn't get to do it number one so yeah. like right so right out the bat like whether or not they did it in period is already a kind of irrelevant question mm. um because we are modern people doing it for modern reasons and we aren't jeff bezos rich so we obviously aren't the people this was written for, right? Because they were, for their time, Jeff Bezos rich. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. You know, so that's that's just, you know, like I said, I think a, a Hema cautionary tale, right? Like we, we get to make choices about what of the historical stuff we want. And we're all gonna game our situation to not be touching the floor if that's the condition for victory, right? So just acknowledge that, accept it, don't get you know, all mad about it, um, and, and then find what you want within that, you know? Yeah, that's yeah, 100%. And again, I'm like, uh, like I said, I'm a huge fan of watching it, not getting involved. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, you know, and it's one of those things as well, like I was doing a, um, uh first aid course um before i opened up the academy i wanted to to make sure that it was first aid certified and all this sort of stuff for sure and one of the things that that came up was uh about people who lose fingers because they've you know they've uh, they're wearing a titanium ring and they yeah. can't cut through it and and so yeah. they can't like they they the only thing that they can cut through is the finger for whatever reason. Like I can't, I can't remember why you'd be in this situation, but people lose fingers as a result because they've got like titanium wedding rings or whatever. And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, cool. But then I, I thought about like boo hurts and a lot of the fact like, and you know, I might be wrong about this because I've only done some like brief reading of, of uh, the armor and stuff and what they use yeah. in boo hurt. But um, as I understand it, they have like certain elements of them are titanium and all this sort of stuff. Sure. And I'm like, so what happens if somebody gets in an accident for whatever reason and it's so bad that they need to get access to him but they can't you know they can't cut the armor like what happens then that, like yeah because i mean yeah it's that like that that would be interesting i mean i wouldn't want to be the 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 person sort of like um 
going, yeah, get the angle grinder. You know, <laughs> oh, went yeah, to right? sorry. You know? um, yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a really um, it's a really interesting. But but what you were saying as well um, earlier about um, you wouldn't be allowed to fight in that situation. Um, I think what I mean, really briefly, because I want to come back to like the the parity in HEMA um, for like uh, men and women martial artists that are in HEMA. But why why were you not allowed to take part in collegiate wrestling? In oh, well, at that time, it just wasn't a woman's sport. Like it just wasn't it was done. Too. Oh, right. OK. Um, there certainly weren't. Um, there certainly weren't any, uh, I don't know, women's clubs or women's tournaments for sure. Um, but even like, uh, I don't know, I guess the same reason boys couldn't join the volleyball team. Right. You just, you, you just can't, you know, yeah. for whatever reason. Um, you know, when I was young, <clears throat> they were just starting to change that. And so I was, I don't know, in high school. And there were like four and five-year-old girls who were just then like, you know, whatever parents had done what what fighting needed to be done to to start to change that, you know. And and certainly there there's all kinds of of young girls and young women doing it now. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just it's just a weird old hangover, I guess, from from the previous days when women didn't do sport <laughs> yeah fair enough i mean it's uh it's something that i've discussed with uh some of the guys that i've had on to the podcast is you know yeah. is parity in martial arts and mm. it's like you see some parity in mma um but then it's like yeah but they've also got other problems which you know we don't need to go into but then like uh in hema a lot of the time it seems to be um predominantly uh, you get men involved in it and uh, I spoke to um, Fran who is like a mutual friend of ours yeah and and she's ace and we chatted about it and she said yeah if you um, if you mention like swords guys will just show up um, but you have to actively go out and try and get women through the door and I'm like mm -hmm. yeah cool but like and maybe it's just because of the crowd I hang with but a lot of the women that I know, and especially in my group, they're almost more enthusiastic about swords than the guys, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's, I don't know if that's the same sort of hangover that we've got, like, kind of um, maybe like a stigma to, to just martial arts in general. Um, and uh, is it, uh, I, I mean, as the, you know, as the head instructor of your school, um mm -hmm. do you generally find that you get a lot of parity um i do now but uh, to be very honest i also have to work to make that happen um you know so uh there i mean obviously this is a huge question we could we could talk for two hours just on this and not exhaust it um but but i think i think one of one of the things um, that maybe gets in the way is uh, how I guess what I would say is one of the things that gets in the way is for all of us, we have a expectation 
of what a thing is based on things we've seen, right? So um, one, one way we can think about this is like, I, I talk a lot about um, the aesthetics of movement, right? So what does a sword fight, sword fight look like? How do we know what one looks like? Not you and I that have studied, you know, HEMA or, or whatever, but average person, right? So they, they'll go to Star Wars, right? Um, until recently, there were no women in Star Wars that got to hold a weapon, right? Maybe a shooter, pew pew, but like, you know, and Princess Leia was a badass, but she didn't get a sword, right? Um, or Three Musketeers, same problem, um, or Zorro, right? Okay, Catherine Zeta-Jones was a badass, right? But she's using a rapier. Okay, so who's using, right? And so, so we have this image of what a sword fight looks like and therefore who sword fights, yeah? And so people will self-regulate unconsciously, is that thing for me, right? And so, so I, <clears throat> for whatever reason, was like, uh, not a rapier because I'm not Catherine Zeta-Jones, right? Like I wanted to be Joan of Arc from like the messenger, right? I'm just, yeah. again, I'm a nineties kid. So like <laughs> I'm referencing nineties movies here, but, but you know, so I'm like, oh, you know, that, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shave my head and have a boy's haircut and I'm gonna put on armor and I'm gonna go out there and do it because that was an aesthetic of a type of person that I could become, that I envisioned myself becoming, yeah. And, uh, and so we're all, we're all hampered by this, right? You know, no matter who you are. And so for, for minorities, whether that be uh, gender or race or whatever, when you, when you picture European sword fighting, and, and I you know, chose like the worst, <laughs> the worst way we could place that, right? Um, a lot of women and minorities are not European sword fighters, right? So uh, that's one of the reasons why I focus on medieval martial arts for me, because to me, like you, you might go, oh, well, maybe that is for me. I, I don't know. What is medieval? What does that even mean? Right. And, and so, you know, that's the way I kind of try to sidestep it um, for myself. And I do think that has, that branding has been helpful um, for me. And, uh, you know, on the front of my, on the front of my club, on the, on the windows facing the street, you know, um, I, I have, um, a, a, a drawing that Sam Swords did, um, but I got his permission to use it, but um, of, of a Fiori, the Fiori Fendente, right? But that he's cutting a rainbow, right? Nice. <laughs> so I just, boom, it's just plastered up there. You know, I have bright colors in my club, like all of these weird little things that don't matter, but they do, right? They, they, they signal, um, that uh, people shouldn't self-select themselves out of of doing it. So I don't know. That's that's a really sideways way to to address what you're. No, no, no. I absolutely at. get it, and um, like I think that that that's a really good way of putting it because representation is like it is a big thing. Like I grew up yeah. watching, you know, Highlander and lord of the rings and and that sort of stuff um and yeah that that was sort of the 
kind of like dress for the job you want kind of thing for me it was just like ah you know i that's what i want to be that's that's you know that that's that's how i want to end up and um so i absolutely get what you're saying in terms of like visualization and obviously the the armor that you have and the how you fight and everything like you know women uh fantasy armor is usually not very protective <laughs> it's kind of like you know if you said to somebody um who's only only ever seen fantasy stuff or read fantasy stuff like you know fantasy comics hey you want to you want to like put on armor and, and and fight these guys um a lot of women would be like fuck that you know because yeah like, it's just um yeah uh so i think that re imagining or as you say like branding giving people a new vision of what medieval um fighting could be and should be i think that's that's a really um yeah i think that's a really good idea um and you you kind of you know you're kind of limited of what you can do with the source material as well i suppose because there's like that stuff in talhofer where it's like you look you could wear a like a diving suit and have a, a, a <laughs> pillowcase with half a rock in it and fight a guy in a hole you know right. um maybe not <laughs> maybe not yeah. yeah but um no i think like because i've been very fortunate in that um i run you know, I run my school with my wife. And so, um, like everybody, everybody is fully aware, like, uh, I like with technology, um, I'm, I'm rubbish with administration, um, you know, remembering dates, uh, people's names sometimes. Uh, and so Melissa does all the brain stuff and then she fights and I just do the fighty stuff and then I fight. So, um, a lot of people, a lot of people know not even to talk to me about things if it's important they'll they'll just go straight to melissa <laughs> um so they're very much aware of the fact that she's the power behind the throne so i've been like quite uh quite quite lucky um with that but yeah it's i i think it's i think it's something that still sort of um exists not not just in hema but like with my jiu-jitsu when i go to brazilian jiu-jitsu um it's very rare that there's ever more than one or two women in the group and i can absolutely understand that you know um because of the the nature of the martial art yeah and you you just you just have to you just have to brand it because what what can happen is um you know people can come in and and see your wife and and see her fighting and being a badass and go but she is an exception and so they may not see her as an invitation Mm. right so it's very and this is why i say you know even i have to you know a woman running her own club um I have to deliberately say, no, 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 I'm not an exception. I'm not special. I just wanted to do it. So I am right. And so that means if you want to do it, you can do it. Um, you know, I, I have had women say to my face, yeah, but just you No, 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 no. Right. Um, I was terrible at sport. Um, really bad. Like anything you see or or someone might see in me and go 
well, she's just good at it. No, 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 no. It's that I worked my ass off for 20 plus years, right? Which means anybody can do it. Yeah. So, so this is why you, you have to say, not only can anyone do it, but you can do it. And I want you, right? If you want this, I want you. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> I think, um, you know, like I said, I've, I've grappled with and fought, um, a lot of women who could twist my head off, you know, so I'm like, sure. yeah, I'm, I'm uh, like, I'm absolutely, uh, I'm absolutely on board with that. And I think, um, yeah, I think that, like I said, media plays, like media plays a role because unfortunately, well, I, not unfortunately, but like HEMA draws a certain crowd, you know? Um, yeah. So I like if you went into a room full of humorists and said, hands up, who hasn't seen Lord of the Rings? It'd be very slim pickings, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, so like, um, yeah, I think, I think again, like what we've been exposed to prior to this has played uh, has played a role and hopefully it's like um hopefully that's going to change because of things like you said like star wars where they're putting you know um where they're changing up lead characters and, and giving mm -hmm. more representation i mean it it's unfortunate that those films were shit but <laughs> great well yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but uh, everybody was saying that about the prequels and now apparently they're amazing. So, you know, uh, I don't know. Um, but yeah. yeah, I like, I, I think that's, I think that's good. And um, it's absolutely like a, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a new kind of like a, a brave new world in that regard. And what you were saying as well about medieval martial arts, this is something I've been discussing with um, some of my friends and students is like, do we change um HEMA as in do we change historical European martial arts and just make it historical martial arts um and I I think that that we should because yeah you know like for somebody like yourself who's drawing on things like judo and I'm doing the same with Brazilian jiu-jitsu which is neither Brazilian like well it is but you know what I mean it's neither Brazilian nor Japanese it's kind of its own thing um and it's you know and now it's more of a global thing um yeah it's a, it, it just makes a lot more sense to sort of um to yeah just call it historical martial uh, yeah historical martial arts i'm so used to putting the european in that it just threw me through a loop right. but yeah um, right yeah and i don't know that it's a descriptor that does anybody any good in my opinion um you know uh it yeah, I don't think it lends anything to the conversation that we need, right? Because the reality is, is you say, I do HEMA, and they go, what's that? And you go, well, and then you have to explain anyways, right? So it doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem it theoretically solves with that specificity, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. I think... Um... I was uh, saying this to somebody I had on before, which was quite, it was quite funny because I was talking to Daniel, who's my BJJ coach, um, and I was showing him some, some stuff of Fiore and, uh, and also like the Codex Wallerstein, which is probably the battle, like not a great example because the artwork's a little bit 
kind of not the best. Um, and I was like, look, the, the thing that we just practiced, it's like it's in this medieval manuscript. He doesn't give a shit. I keep showing him, right? He's like, oh, yeah, cool, okay. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll talk to him. He, he'll say to me, like, oh, did you did you watch the, um, you know, the football match, uh, soccer match, yeah. uh, like last night? And I'm like, no. But I, I did watch, you know, The Mandalorian, you know, and he's like, <laughs> no, whatever. So, um, and yeah, like I said, he doesn't care. One of the interesting things I, I found about um, Fiora is that there's nothing yeah. in there that goes to the ground. Like there's no ground fighting or anything. Um, and I was wondering, because where I was reading through um, parts of your book where it talks about how, like, um, the rule sets for wrestling and stuff. And it would have been, you know, once that person had made like three points of contact, um, you know, they put their hand down on the floor or whatever, or they're thrown to the yep. floor, um, the, the fight is done. Um, I'm wondering if like Fiore's section on that is because he studied this, this sort of like formalized um, kind of martial art where once the throw is complete, it's finished. Um if that's why you don't see any ground fighting in in uh, Fiore's work, or if it's just kind of missing, or yeah, you know, well, that's a that's a question we come up with all the time, right? And um, there there is a German manuscript that deals with Unterhalten with with pinning, um, but it's in armor with daggers. Oh, so right. Yeah. Um, and and so what we really have here is is again I you hinted at it it's a matter of context so when you're looking at just pure pure Sunday after church wrestling yeah as best as we can tell you know if if you touch the ground you're out right that was it um, or maybe they would go to three falls depending sometimes it was that way. Um, and when we look at nightly tournaments, if you got thrown, you were done, right? Like nothing, you know, so when they're in armor, like Bohurt style, you got thrown, you're done, right? Um, and, and that was just their context for friendly, you know? Once you hit the ground and you're following them to the ground, that's because everybody has daggers and somebody's going to die, right? And, and this makes sense. If we are all carrying daggers, because we were, because we were medieval people, right? You didn't, you know, put your shit down and walk away, right? You just had it with you. So <clears throat> even for their quote unquote self-defense, it's all dagger fighting. I don't want to go to the ground with daggers. Like that's just a bad, bad, bad place to be, right? Um, so I think this is why. It simply wasn't relevant to their life. Um, in the way that we think of it, you know, um, the little bit that I have been able to see, like I said, there was that one manuscript that's that's dealing with them in armor. You mentioned Codex Wallerstein. Um, that's my next book that I'm working on. And um, in the end of that, there are a few, a few things for holding people down. And it appears to be taking captives, right? So this is the one and only context medieval people have for wrapping somebody up and holding them isn't for sportive purpose, right? Or self-defense, but for, for taking captives. Um, and, and even there, this all works better if they're in armor, 
<laughs> also, it works better if you have friends. I like that yeah. one too. This one works better if your friends help you. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I I love this kind of thing. Like the the um, Codex Wallerstein is something that I've looked at um, quite a bit. Uh, like I go to it now and again because there's some really really interesting grappling stuff in there. Uh, yeah. So yeah, what, what's the um, what's the what's the book about? Is it a straight up translation, or are you going to be doing in or is this like a big question? Yeah, right. Well, yeah, it is a project in flux, but um, yeah, no, uh, I transcribed it and translated it, and um, you know, I've worked with all of it before the pandemic, blah, right? So that really that really slowed up this project to be to be entirely honest because um, i don't have grappling class right now but uh uh but yeah so so it's going to be i think it's going to end up being similar similar to the op book in some ways in that it's going to be interpretive um so that people can learn how to work with it quite frankly it is uh it is hands down the best medieval wrestling book period. It is such a tight pedagogy. The person that wrote it knew what they were doing. Um, quite obviously, I mean, we assume that's always true. But but in this case, they not only understood the techniques, but they understood how they interplayed um, and how to teach wrestling. Um, so so it's, you know, it's, it's fucking brilliant. I'm, I'm so pumped. Everybody needs to like, everybody needs to train that book because um, it's just it's just so good um there's a couple uh really cool crazy sacrifice throws that are in there um that i super love uh <laughs> that are really fun to do um you know but it's it's a big study on uh on, on knock Rison really right uh from the german side of the house um on the principle of um, following energy and following openings, however, however they come in, you know, so right out the bat, it's, it's teaching us, um, a single leg with a counter to it, with a combination attack to that, and then an ultimate counter after that, right? So it, it just opens saying, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna take these things through these, these deep sets of plays, um, that are all teaching different ways to attack openings um and to keep the energy going and and so uh anyways i'm super excited about it because it's so fucking cool um and and like i said everybody needs to study it so <laughs> yeah i just listening to you talk about it i'm i'm psyched for that as well because i've sat down with it a few times and i'm like okay i need to work this out you know and i like yeah, yeah. i haven't delved into it as much as i'd like to um because it's one of those things isn't it it's like it, you have yeah. you have to have like a a reading list because otherwise you become a jack of all trades but a master of nothing kind of thing and yeah. i don't want to do that so i want to give it some dedicated time um but where would people be able to get updates of this are, are you i mean even if you're even if you're doing that obviously yeah yeah so um <laughs> excuse me one of the places that you can find um uh, actually, early early uh, access to that is through my Patreon. So patreon.com slash Jess Finley um, will get right to me and um, 
and of course people can send me messages but um and i'm on instagram and facebook um and and then yeah or just email me but but the patreons have been getting the uh the translations as they happen um as well as videos and in, in, interpretive work that i've been doing and and so all of that kind of just goes up as i do it um so um you know some people have very polished patreons mine is not it's very much just enter into my brain and find out what's going on but if that sounds like your jam then you know i'd, I'd love to have anybody join me there <laughs> yeah that sounds awesome i'm i'll sign up for that because i only found out about your patreon like today like i said i've been following you for quite a while on different things but yeah. mainly youtube because i i forget patreon exists you know <laughs> right. um where can people find your school and your, your website? Ah, excellent. So I am in Lawrence, Kansas, and uh, in the in the smack dab center of the USA. If you look at the USA, I'm just like right in the middle. Um, and uh, my my school is uh, Ritterkunst, so R-I-T-T-E-R-K-U-N-S-T, Nightly Arts. Um, so Ritterkunst.com. Um, people can can find me there as well. Um, and one of the things that I do offer, um, both either through the Patreon or, or outside of it, is intensives. So um, people will come here. Um, I have a little a little guest cottage, so people stay in my guest cottage, and I train them for um, what fits their goals. Um, so I've done anything from two days to two weeks of of daily training and and that's a super good time so um anybody that would be interested in that uh, i'm able to do that despite the pandemic because that's one person at a time so that feels that feels accessible especially with you know vaccines and all the stuff now so um so yeah um that's just kind of all of the ways i'm doing things right now <laughs> that sounds awesome actually i would love to do that um it's super yeah fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm hoping to at some point um come stateside because I've got I've got a lot of friends out in uh in America and it would be yeah, it'd be nice to kind of like do a HEMA tour um of America and yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome. Um this has been absolutely fantastic and I've I've had such a good time. Thank you so much uh for coming on and and, and doing this um i've yeah i've really really enjoyed it and it kind of it kind of went really quickly for me anyway i don't know if, yeah <laughs> yeah I don't know if it did no it really did it really did if you'd like to find out more about historical european martial arts visit www.academyofsteel.com or you can shoot us over a message at info at academyofsteel.com or you can find us on youtube on instagram facebook tiktok and twitter <laughs>